Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Why are you the only man who wants to stay with me? I don't know. But you do? I do. That's good. Yeah. Why is mom so different around other people? I think this is who she is. Of course. You're not born. No. The fact that she's comfortable flaunting all these relationships around all of us, you're better than that. She's different. That's what I like about her. I just want to feel joy in my life. You want to tell me why you didn't come home last night? Not really. This isn't a game, Melinda. It's always been a game. Welcome to They Called Us a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called Us a Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTampod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Called Us a Movie. This is Anthony Del Vecchio. With me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, friends. Hello. If I'm a little quiet today, I'm mourning the loss of summer catch as a choice in the poll. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's all the way I back apologize. in march man this is <laughs> april now we're talking about april oh new month that's right ah fuck that movie let's go yeah <laughs> yep we're in april so uh as we do every week we talk about what we've watched this week so gentlemen what have you watched this week dan what about you uh, i watched a couple of series i watched the second episode of halo uh still not really feeling it but you know we'll see where it goes um started moon Knight, the first episode of moon Knight which was good so far. I like Oscar Isaac. Seems like a good premise. I'm definitely interested in the second episode. 
Uh, I also watched The Bubble on Netflix, a Judd Apatow movie. Okay. And it, like, think of Don't Look Up, but even more up its own ass, oh, if, you, if you can imagine. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it starts off with a decent idea, and then it just really... Uh, it, it really just goes for broke, and it doesn't stick the landing. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very. I guess what they they were trying to poke fun of how people reacted during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, it's it's just it's nonsense. It's really bad. It's, Everyone. It's about people panicking. What's up? Sort of. It's sort of. It, it's basically about a uh, production crew trying to make a movie in uh, in a bubble, essentially. And it's all of these Hollywood actors and how they, they react. And yeah. I think they're drawing parallels to how people reacted during, because you have the people who don't think it's real, don't care about, um, you know, the protocols, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and then you have the people who are, like, super serious about it. Um, but, yeah, it's everyone is chewing up the scenery. Everyone's super hammy. And it, it doesn't work if everybody's doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. You can only have a couple people doing it but when you have everyone at the same time just going all out it's, it's cringy yeah that's the best that's the best way to describe this movie very cringy so in back-to-back years we have adam mckay and judd apatow putting together these two satires that you know i haven't seen this one but i did not like don't look up just kind of really mm-hmm. missing the mark and these are two guys that put together some of the best movies best comedies of the first decade of the century it's yeah yeah it's weird i, I think they pivoted because this isn't really a com. It's not a comedy. I, I mean, I wasn't laughing, but maybe I missed missed out on the comedy. You just aspect. didn't get it, Dan. That's usually how do, it goes. Do we have to go back and watch those <laughs> comedies and revisit our thoughts on that? Uh, I, you know, I think. Do you think now that kind of falls under the you can't make those comedies anymore, right? Do you think McKay and Apatow would? I don't know if Apatow has said that. Well, you know, I can't make this movie. I can't make this kind of comedy anymore. Could have make knocked up yeah, nowadays, right? You can't make knocked up. You can't make forty year old virgin. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, whatever it is, he he pivoted to something different, and it was just it was it was more annoying than. Gotcha. Yeah, I saw it pop up on Netflix, but have not watched it. All right, Mark. Yeah. Anything? I saw Morbius. No, just kidding. April Fools. <laughs> oh, Mark, you got us. You got us. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, I don't watch anything. And that includes technically what we watch for this episode, because I don't think I actually watched something for those hour and 40 minutes. Oh, I thought you're admitting that you haven't watched the movie. Yeah, as for me, I didn't really watch much either. I watched a couple series that we've started, but kind of half attention to. Um, my wife started watching The Girl from Plainview, which is that uh, Michelle something or other. Uh, the girl that uh, convinced her boyfriend to commit suicide over text. That story. The one that kind of looks like Cara Delevingne. Um, yeah. That's an eight, That's a Hulu show. Also started watching the, I believe it's called The Thing About Pam, which is an NBC show, but it's on Hulu. Um, so I could still say that I do not watch what network television. Uh, it's interesting. I actually like it because it's, it's a really bizarre story of kind of like small town politics that kind of create this um this intrigue around this 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 murder um that happens in a small town it's got a really weird structure and then i was saying off podcast like because david gregory from date it's based on a dateline story which then became a dateline podcast 
and it's got David Gregory, who is the uh, one of the hosts of Dateline, doing his voiceover. I'm pretty sure they rewrote it for this show, but he's he's doing his usual kind of wink at the camera sort of voiceover with kind of yeah. quips and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting. Uh, Renee Zellweger is the lead in it. She's really good in it. I've never really been a big fan of hers, but she's pretty good in this. She's hateable. Uh, Josh Dumel, who is also also a person I'm not a huge fan of, uh, <laughs> is actually not bad in this show. So it's interesting. It's like kind of a sad story when you when like it's like aggravating really more than more than sad. But it's yeah. like I feel like uh, Josh Dumel got on the show because he kept showing up to work for Las Vegas and then they eventually put this show in the studio and then they just sure sure yeah. But it's a good. It's good. It's on Hulu. I, I definitely suggest it. It's a. It's an interesting one, especially if you're into like those the uh, those Dateline shows. Um, trying to think, I'm pretty sure that's all I've really watched. I've been as background noise. I've just been playing some Simpsons, so um, not really much to report on that because I've seen those uh, in times. That's about it. So this is short. Yeah. So we're gonna take a quick break. And you guys are going to list some ads so we can pay those bills. And we'll be back in a second. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was my pick. And I went on a sort of a recommendation from a past guest. I was listening to the binge pod, binge cast. And Pete MC had reviewed this. Pete MC, if you don't remember, was on our episode that we talked about. The Neil Breen movie. For some reason, every time we talk about Neil Breen, I forget what movie it was, the name of it. Uh, like the Double Down or something like that? Double Down. It was Double Down. Yeah. Double Down. We made KFC jokes. Yes. Yeah. Double down. Right. Yeah. I, I forget. I think I I forget it because I know all like he, all of his movies are very similar. But like Double Down, now that I'm thinking about it, had nothing to do with the actual movie. Um, it's set in Vegas. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's the connection. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so a few weeks ago, he was on the binge cast and he reviewed the Hulu original erotic thriller Deep Water starring Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. So I asked him if it was worth doing an episode and he said, yes, they were probably going to do a commentary on it one day. So we, I put this on the schedule. And I'm glad I did, because what a piece of shit this movie yeah. is. <laughs> I, I don't... There's this... There's so many questions for this movie <laughs> that don't get answered. Nope. This is this has multiple Chekhov's guns that do not go off. There's obvious oh, nails. There's obvious things that it's like, oh, that'd be an interesting way to kill somebody in an erotic thriller that don't pay off. Like someone with a shellfish allergy, uh, mentioning that if you eat a snail that hasn't been starved with, so that they have like a clean digestive tract that it could poison you and kill you uh and then like people disappear that you think are gonna die that don't and then maybe our guy that's going around killing people didn't kill the first guy he says he killed yeah what a piece of shit i don't understand this movie at all i don't i mean i get why ben affleck signed on for this bury his face into uh Armas's ass. Yeah, and he got and he got like pr like a year's worth of pandemic sex out of it with her. So good for him. Glad he's happy. Wanted <laughs> to see him on the set of another Batman movie, just like on the verge of just Kurt Cobaining. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
Oof, not good. Um, no. But where are you guys coming from with this movie? Dan, let's start with you. I was hoping one of the things I, I, had, I had written down when you were talking about all the Chekhov's guns, I was hoping he was going to perform a drone strike on somebody. Because <laughs> <laughs> so in, in the movie, Ben Affleck's character invented a computer chip that they would use in drones. And there's a big discussion where uh, this guy, Don, one, uh, like a writer, talks about, oh, you, so that like the, all the drones that they, you know, they perform the strikes on. Like, yeah, you know, like they could be used for any sorts of things. Like, man, I really hope he performs like a drone strike on one of the, the lovers. Yeah. I think that would be a phenomenal way to kill somebody. Sure. <laughs> uh, I was also very confused at this movie. Uh, I didn't understand why Ben Affleck was doing what he was doing, like why he was allowing things to happen mm-hmm. and what caused Anna de Armas to be the way she is. I also didn't know like, what nationality is their daughter. I couldn't figure that part out. It's, it seemed kind of, you know, up in the air for me. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, this movie, I, I couldn't remember the last time I watched an erotic thriller. It was probably what, like uh, Basic Instinct? <laughs> Double Down, yeah. So erotic with his shirt, with his uh, cutoff shirts, right? His uh, sleeveless shirts, Neil Breen. You see, ball, you um, see balls in that movie, so. <laughs> that's a good point. I forgot about that. I had wiped that from my memory. <laughs> oh, it's back. Yeah, I, I was confused. I wasn't really thrilled. I'll say that much. Uh,. But yeah, like you said, I, I echo your sentiments, and he got to be with Anna de Armas, so and I don't think he cares how well this movie did in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, critics. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I want to say I, I like the energy. I like the, the the chemistry between Affleck and uh, Anna de Armas. I thought they did a pretty good job. Everyone else, I, I there's a comedic relief in this movie? For what reason? Mm-hmm. Right, what is that guy doing there? They're like his one buddy who gets high. Right, Lil Rel. Does he? Right, does he not realize this is a you know a murder movie? <laughs> I think I think he was miscast, or he just wandered onto the set and got high with Ben Affleck. <laughs> Maybe, uh, but but he at one yeah. point spoke the truth of what we were all thinking. It's like <laughs> her flaunting it in front of us. It's pretty fucked up, man. <laughs> right and that's it. like everyone else I, at first I, I thought this movie was going to be kind of a eyes wide open sort of film eyes wide shut uh, eyes wide shut yeah so i the first party that they go to i was like oh you know it's a swingers party i guess and and a day armis is just banging this dude and everyone else because i thought ben affleck was gonna hook up with uh his buddy's wife mm-hmm. uh, the one talking about her cleavage right like, oh okay so you got a little thing going on here no it's just like there's a murder and then they go to a party and then there's another murder they go to a party so there's just like everything that every kind of erotic thriller thing that happens there's a big fight and then there's a party afterwards <laughs> like what is going on here what what kind of movie is this trying to be i couldn't yeah. figure it out yeah they went to three or four parties right too many parties way too many parties yeah what about you mark where are you coming from yeah. So I'll start off with the one twist that I absolutely wanted the end of this movie to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm upset it wasn't. I wanted the daughter to kill Ana de Armas. Yeah, sure. That, yeah. that would have been, I would be like, it's something. <laughs> like that, that would have, sure. She's just as psychopath as like her father. Um, that, that is something. Um, yeah, I also had, literally when I'm on these podcasts, I always have a thing where I say, if a movie gives me five more minutes, it could explain it. Um, there's nothing you could do to this movie to explain it. 
um, you would need to rework whole chunks of this movie and maybe even make it shorter um, to get the point across. But all they needed for to give me some kind of ending is just have her deliver one line at the end where she says, okay, I'm done, after she figures out what he did. And I'm like, okay, she's like, I don't want you killing people, so I'll stop sleeping with other guys, <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, that would have been fine. And then you could have cut to what's the final scene in the movie, and it would have made a little bit of sense. But besides that, as me and Ann talked about uh, off podcast, nothing happens in this movie. Like, it literally, I'm like okay is somebody like is anybody going to take this seriously like the only right. guy that does is that stupid writer and he's like shoehorned in there um and it's a full wink wink oh i'm writing a story about a writer that goes back to a town and solves a mystery i wonder what that could be in reference to mm-hmm. um that'll come up um uh, speaking of that, I wish that uh, Ben Affleck's character fucked that guy's wife because that would have been interesting and something in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, just everything like that. And I, I guess my final thing um, is I wish they would have done something with the fucking snails. Like, seriously. Like, if he would have killed the first boyfriend with the snails and then revealed how he did it to the last boyfriend, that would have, again, been something that they did um the best parts about this movie is that Ana de Armas is in it for the in- most of the entire runtime um so thumbs up yay um for that but in terms of any scenes that didn't involve them too because there was like Dan said there was good chemistry good tension um you know Ben Affleck you know um you know seemed to kind of understand what those scenes needed and you know um but anytime they had to interact with anybody else in this movie, it made absolutely no sense. Um, I think, Ant, you had a line where you said some of the dialogue between the friends reads like somebody that's never talked to another human before. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that the entire movie just felt like that. Like they were trying to do some kind of cool thriller, but just couldn't, they, they couldn't figure out where they wanted to go with it. Like there's so many different directions you could have taken it to be much better than what this movie turned out to be. It could have all been her and made it look like it was him. You know, hell, fuck it. The daughter could have been killing all the boyfriends. I don't know. She seemed to be able to wire that thing up to move with potatoes. Right. Um, you know, and drone strikes, Christ. Um, you know, but yeah, I there was so much more that could have been given. And you know why this went to Hulu and not theaters. Yeah, sure. I don't mind that it was Affleck killing these guys. I just wish they would have put some mystery into yeah, it. Yeah, that was, you know, the the whole thing is he says right at flat out that he killed the first guy, which I'm not even sure is true. I don't think he did. Right. Right. Because they, they mentioned that they caught someone. They said He said they caught somebody and the the mode of, de- mode of uh, killing was completely different, right? Because he says that he bashed that guy and head with the hammer and then when they when the report says it was he had like gunshot wounds and you know so right and that's not that's not his mo even when he starts killing people for real uh right yeah he he's more he makes it look like an accident right we've we don't we don't even have evidence that he owns a gun he might not even own a gun yeah but apparently he's also an amateur photographer and we don't know that until like 15 minutes left in the movie so you know it's possible there's he he does mention to don that he does 
uh, t- he does photography on the side. Oh, does he? Yeah, because like he's like, oh, so what do you do, Vic? And he just mentioned he rattles off a bunch of things, and one of them is photography. Gotcha. But it really doesn't make and even that that uh payoff not that integral to the movie. It's like okay, he makes a you know I'm jumping ahead here, and I apologize. He he just makes like a photo album mm-hmm. of his wife. Yeah. And she has like a 180 on how she reacts to him. Yeah, I don't understand her motivation. That's that's one of the problems with this movie is because they she'll she'll change from scene to scene her reactions to him, right? Yeah, yeah. we because she is they um, for people that um, hate each other on the surface they they have sex several times in this movie, right? They yeah they go penis and vagina twice, and she gives him roadhead <laughs> and gives him a hand job. So that's that's a lot, yeah. that's a lot of fucking for two two people that seem to be absolutely over each other. And she gives him an over the pants hand or over the pants handy. Yeah, at a party in, in the middle of a, a crowded room, he starts rubbing. Right. Or she starts rubbing his junk over the pants. Yeah. It, so I think what would have been cool is so you have you know the pianist is killed at the at the pool party, but there's still some intrigue there until they do the flashback of him killing him. Of Ben Affleck killing the pianist. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that kind of sucks, man. I, I would have loved to have the intrigue of just maybe he didn't do it and everyone just thinks he's crazy. Or I, I had actually written down, what if everyone knows he's a killer, everyone's cool with it, and you kind of see it from maybe either, uh, like maybe Anna de Armas doesn't realize it or there's a new victim who figures it out and is trying to run for his life now. Right. I think that would have been an interesting take. Um, yeah. But that's essentially partially sorry, how the movie ends. Yes, Wait, I, the ending. I hated the ending. Same. Uh, it. Why is that guy there? Why is Don at the gorge? That I don't know. So I so I watched this twice. What okay. what I think might have happened. So right before they, right before he goes back to the gorge for the second time, she mm-hmm. says that she got off. She was just on the phone with Don. So I don't know. Oh. Like, so there's a possibility that she set it up, like, but she would have had to see, have seen the body, which we don't have any, any indication that she did see the body because of her reaction that she, when she found the wallet, right? Right. Yeah. Correct. At, unless she's, she's trying to fool us, the people that aren't in the room with her, um, at her reaction to the wallet, uh, that's the first time she has any indication that he killed Tony, right? Right. So in order for her to send Don to get the scarf because that because apparently don was just like oh yeah here's her scarf like why would you just pick up a random scarf unless you knew it was hers i don't know right trying to explain why he's there just leads to more questions the, the only thing right. is i unless if you say that she made the phone call to him after finding the wallet but that makes no sense either right because it was it was the day before right it was that night it was the night before um yes so and on the car ride home and affleck specifically tells uh any day armis that he's going to go back and get it the next day right the, the scarf so in so there'd be no reason for her to tell Don. well my scenario is she's setting him up so he, okay. she leaves she but she in this scenario she has to know the body's there so that throws out the window because she has no indication that the body's there she has to leave the scarf say oh i forgot the scarf to send him back mm-hmm. there, and Don goes back there too. Yeah, you'd have to throw out the entire ending yeah. if that's the case. She calls Don right, because... to say he's going to be here 
and that's where the body is right and and then then but i guess it would kind of track with her uh like her emotions throughout the whole movie because then she does a complete 180 and she's like oh i'm just gonna stay with him now Mm -hmm. yeah you're right it it doesn't it just leaves more questions right. than answers. But you also have a private investigator in all this. So even if that scenario was what was supposed to be uh, assumed, then you send the private investigator. You don't send Don. Right. right. <laughs> but that guy just disappears. Disappears. Right. Just yeah, does not. Ben Affleck finds him out. Yeah. Does not play a role in the in the plot at all. So now that's the guy who you get with the drone strike. You get the private <laughs> eye, right? When... The private eyes kind of driving around. All of a sudden, you see Ben Affleck having like a little, you know, doohickey. We get a first-person view from the drone. You know, like target. You have the target screen, and then boom, just like a little uh, mini explosive hits the the car. And uh, yeah, there you go. And then like their cops don't play a role in this movie at all. Just oh, weird. Even after Anna de Armas yells that her husband murdered someone they have just a quick conversation with him just take him at, everyone takes him at his word yeah and it's crazy because he's a billionaire right like, or he's like a multi-millionaire and he's uh, he's getting government money he's a, probably a billionaire yeah so at, at one point they're at a part again they're at a party and don mentions oh you don't like you could have killed him and everyone's like no no you, does vic look like a killer he's a billionaire of course he looks like a killer <laughs> all billionaires are killers yeah it's and like and it's just inconsistent like 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 joel why doesn't joel die <laughs> that's that's right or i kept thinking because joel's the first guy we're introduced to yeah uh, i kept thinking that uh when ben affleck uh calls him the uber i thought it was going to, like it was a setup and he was going to be killed along the way or something along those lines mm-hmm. and we would find that out later in the movie right like oh no, yeah he he's gone like that'd be like Anadarmus goes into the, his his snail enclosure and like she sees in one of them like a finger or something it's like oh my god that's Joel's ring holy shit oh, yeah. he killed Joel too yeah how great would that have been you know just just building up and and then you can kind of just make it into a legit horror movie at that point if you wanted to yeah yeah you could you could have legitimately had that snail be the place where he hides all the evidence. For the guys, yep. like right. it could have just been wallets. Yep. You know how how fast do snails eat? That's the thing. Because then it's not a very good method of getting rid uh, of a body. No, I'm just saying hiding, not getting rid of a body. Yeah. I mean, why does he have? Why does he put that wallet in that enclosure? I have no idea. Right. Yeah. He lives in a mansion. He could have put it anywhere. He just burned it. <laughs> exactly what Anonymous does. Just burned it. Why? Why does all of a sudden he decide to keep evidence that is incriminating to him? It's yeah, and and obviously no the biggest question of this movie is why do they not get divorced? <laughs> why is that? They mention it twice. Both of them mention it. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, my my thinking was, and I I don't know, I I think it's wrong, but the only reason I could think of was since he's a billionaire, she would want him to divorce her so he could she could just take the money and the kid. Mm-hmm. But then why not just do that? You know, you don't need a reason to divorce your husband. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They have a, an arrangement that she, uh, as what he says is an open relationship. He seems uninterested in, on his end, uh, having an open relationship. And he right. obviously hates the fact that she's in an open relationship. So why? 
why is this the arrangement when he is driven by jealousy to murder her <laughs> to, to murder her lovers it makes no it's sense. not yeah and it's not even like she gets off on it because she's horrified to find out that tony's killed yeah or one of her one of her uh could be lovers yeah it's like a major uh, misunderstanding of what an open relationship is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like i said all they all they really need to do not that it would make any sense but to you know just have it be that you know she was basically i'm not gonna cheat on you anymore because i don't want people to die but it's so not she, cheating though yeah it's not right, cheating it, if it's like, an open relationship open relationship and i get yeah, that that really yeah. doesn't that doesn't really change what you're saying but yeah at the same yeah. time, why do you have this? Why do you have this arrangement if you can't handle this re arrangement? Right. Maybe he just and likes angry sex. I don't know. I don't know. Like, because he's <laughs> not getting off on it. He's not like yeah. he doesn't have like a cuck fetish. He's not like jerking I, off. That's it what to I thought it. it was. Yeah. Because I had I had written down that he's giving off big cuck energy. But he's he's not it, into it's it. Not it. Yeah. I, every everyone in this movie is just a big piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah. Except for, except for the guy who gets high. He's he's like the only nice person. The, per, the person and, I feel the worst for is Don's wife. Right. Yeah. She's like a nice person. She she defends. She defends him. Yeah. She I think like secretly she might want to bang him. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a, her and and Mary the uh, she seemed like she was down because she was talking about how. But they made a huge deal about the fact that he dances with Kelly, uh, Don's mm -hmm. wife, in the first in the first party or that one party. And then Mary's like, "Well, if you ever feel the need to dance again, I hope you're I hope oh, I'm your the first right. one you go to." Like, damn. If you ever get that itch, yeah. yeah. Mary's but looking to scratch again. that itch, getting some of that <laughs> Affleck dick. She wants to know what it's like to be with Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bad I, Batman. I, but sad, but, but Batman nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, and, and it was just weird how all of these dudes were just so okay with banging a married woman. In so that was one of the things where I was like, nobody, nobody acts like an actual human being in this movie because none. Because it's there's one thing to be like, oh yeah, you've got an open relationship, awesome. That doesn't necessarily mean. I want you to be like grab my dick in front of not only your husband but a party full of your friends. No one's ever right. like, why don't we like take a step back and like chill the fuck out for right now? You know, we're in public. Let's, sure. let's act with some sense of decorum. But they're all just like, oh, open relationship. You want to suck my dick right here? Everybody would love that, <laughs> more or less. Right, eh? If she offered, they would have said yes. And even like a Tony, I thought was going to be the one that was gonna be like, oh, you know, like, like push her away. Like, no, let's be great. Let's be civil about this but he but he goes does the same exact thing and then he offers to just well let's cook up your snails <laughs> which i thought oh. was over the line sir these are my fucking and how sinners. and how persistent he was what yeah. is what annoyed me he's like oh no it's fine i'll just go grab no, all right like listen motherfucker you go grab those snails i'm gonna bash your head in yeah. that's what's these are the the events of what's going to happen <laughs> and but it, it, I don't understand why you don't just take no for an answer. Yeah, it was so weird. It was like such a presumption. Like, yeah, you don't mind if we cook up a dozen of your snails, right? It's fine. Right. You've got more. Like, right. <laughs> like if someone came into your house and like, oh, like dog tastes great. Yeah. And you've got a you got a couple dogs. It's fine. Two. I'll just go grab one. Yeah. yeah you're, 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 you're not you're gonna like miss a them. dozen chickens. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, who does that in someone else's house? Yeah. It's like... Everyone's super presumptuous with this guy's this guy's life. Yeah, everyone thinks they could steal on him. And he, I think I I I did kind of get a kick out of how he holds himself when when he's one on one with these other men. Like he's a, again, he's a total cuck around Anna de Armas. Mm-hmm. But when when he's one on one with these guys, he's pretty intimidating. Yeah, he he scares that one dude was uh, Joel. Joel. Like he scares. He kind of forces him to leave the the, the state. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not coming back here. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, but it, it it had good ideas. This movie, it just never put them together. Yeah, it, it never put two and two together. It just kind of oh, this is how erotic thrillers have always been, or like this is how I think an erotic th- thriller would be. Uh, and oh, and by the way, this is the first time we've seen boobs in quite a while, right? Uh, good question. Yeah, but as for what this movie puts us through, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> like, I would have even taken, like, seeing some, uh, Affleck like, hanging some dong, too. Sure. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't reached that level yet with Affleck. Yeah. If we would have uh, kept I, doing Batman, we would have got there. There was a <laughs> sex scene in Thrashing, but I don't remember if there was nudity. Mm, you know, I can't remember myself. Uh, I don't know if we saw the girl, but we definitely saw they did the shirt reveal thing. But it yeah. was Josh we Brolin. saw a shirtless Josh Brolin. If that if that did not have nudity, then the last time we saw nudity was Fifty Shades Darker back in February. Oh, okay. Wait, yeah, so not like yeah. super long. I thought it was past that. Well, you you don't even think about that because it just becomes like she's wearing clothes. It's like white noise. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think. Overall, there were parts where I was intrigued with this movie, but it just it never landed. It didn't, like I said, it didn't put it together. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Deep Water from 2022 was directed by Adrian Line, director of Flashdance, Nine and a Half Weeks, Fatal Attraction, Jake's Jacob's Ladder, Indecent Proposal, Lolita, the HBO version of it, the TV movie version of it, and Unfaithful. So. It's a track record of a lot of erotic thrillers. Nine and a half weeks, fatal attraction, decent proposal, unfaithful, Lolita. So there's definitely a pedigree there, but it doesn't put it together. I think it was also written by, co-written by the Sam Levinson, who is like the creator of Euphoria. Stars uh, Ben Affleck, Ana de Armas, Tracy Letts, Grace Jenkins, Dash Mihok, Rachel Blanchard, Kristen Connolly, Jacob Elordi, Lil Rel Howry, Brendan Miller, Jade Fernandez and Finn Whitrock has an IMDb score of 5.4. Forgot to look up the Rotten Tomato score. I don't know. But a budget of 48.9 million. Let me look at that Rotten Tomato score right quick. Yeah, I'm 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 now more upset knowing that it, it was the writer before that there wasn't more nudity in this movie. There you go. 37% on Rotten oh, Tomatoes. I was gonna say 36. Yeah. 36? Yeah, so close. In a row. <laughs> that was 37 though yeah <laughs> which is the rotten tomato score of this one yeah we go we got there <laughs> yeah this is a weird one it's it it seems competent in most ways other than plot yeah. <laughs> which is a big part of a a erotic thriller you know you can't have a plot that doesn't like there just needs to be something having us know 100% of the time that Ben Affleck is killing these guys, or at least most of these guys, is weird. And yeah. just 
because there's no there's no twist on why he's doing it. There's no twist that he's doing it. There's no twist of somebody finding out. It's just it it just exists. Yeah. As yeah. like just a like a series of events that happens, yeah. which is just an odd way to have a thriller happen. Like what if like he kills somebody and like she gets super turned on and now this becomes a weird thing almost like almost like Hellraiser with the the chick and the uh, the half man, you know? She starts bringing right. dudes back and he kills them and then they fuck over the crime scene or something like that. That's, I, that's how it should have been. It, it like they have that one scene on the staircase where Ben Affleck gets a little forceful and like you could tell she's loving it. Mm-hmm. And, that, and she wants like she really she basically says, fuck me right here. And he pushes right. her away. Like, are you going to throw me to the floor and fuck me? And he's like, he's like, like my no, fantasies. Basically. Yeah. So th- that would have made sense, right? Like, oh, I like how you're like, you're so jealous that you're willing to kill for me. Like, that's what turns me on. But no, it 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 doesn't. It's the complete opposite. She has no clue. And then when she finds out, she's she wants to run away. Yeah. And for some reason, the daughter convinces her to stay. Weird. Like, mm-hmm. We're not going. Like, oh, okay. You you win, six year old. Yeah. You're six. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Get in the car. <laughs> right. You don't yeah, understand it, that that luggage is waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> and and also they kind of have like a, a C or a B or C plot line where the daughter's secretly a genius and she can solve yeah. murders. Well, not so much a secret. He does say flat out that she's a genius. Oh, that yeah. At the beginning, like, oh, yeah, she's a genius. Why would I send her to college? But yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't explain how she knows he's a murderer. Yeah, somebody's yeah, talking. No, I, I Someone must be talking to her, right? Right. Who? The mom? Well, she, she says that everybody's everybody's asking her what why he did it or what or how he did it when she's in oh, the when cool. she's in the tub. So I'm assuming that we have to assume that everyone else's parents are talking about it. The other kids are hearing it, and now they're asking her about it. Okay. Yeah. Because he never says, well, who's talking about it? And he's like, oh, the kids at school. Janie's right. mom said you did this. Yeah, he's, he seems like uninterested in, in who's talking about it. Yeah. It's just that she brings it up. And I guess when he says, like, it's a secret between you and me, is that him admitting that he did it or just kind of appeasing her? I think it's just appeasing her. Okay. Uh, but again, it's just like there's no, there's no ticking clock to this movie. Like, there's no, no one is... Like besides Don, who comes in and out of this movie, there's not like a a force that he has to like cover up his tracks with, you know, or like right. he does. He never seems concerned about anything, so it's just weird. Yeah, doesn't he, really. Work. He kind of he kind of comes off as like almost like a Moriarty, right? He's such an evil genius that no one could keep up with him, and he makes such a simple mistake at the end. But he doesn't do any, he doesn't do anything that impressive though. He just drowns the one kid, <laughs> and then he just throws a rock at the other guy. It was a good throw, by the way. Yeah, and that was like dead on aim right there. Uh, yeah, but he like he's able to give himself a decent alibi when he drowns the pianist. Oh yeah, I burnt my hand on a on a on a cookie, and that's his alibi. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, he couldn't have killed him because he burnt his hand on a cookie. I guess. Solid, solid, yeah, solid evidence. <laughs> yeah, it certainly wasn't him. Yeah, I, I also yeah. wonder if everybody thinks that she's schizophrenic or whatever, or some kind of mental thing, and that's why when she's screaming that he's a murderer, they're just like, "No, what are you talking about?" Yeah, so I, think just, everyone, yeah. I think everybody just thinks that she's a big old c-word. 
<laughs> or she's a she's a drunk. Everyone yeah. sees her. She's always hammered. Yeah. Oh, you know, she's she's drunk. And it's it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. There, I think. <laughs> yeah. Just like her being drunk just makes her exponentially more of that uh, that term. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, you can't talk. You know, she's crazy. She's see you next Tuesday. She'll say anything. Right. Always looking for Actually, attention, that Melinda. So, and all, why aren't his friends like, hey, listen, Vic, your wife just accused you of murder. Maybe you should, you know, move on. Yeah. Or like, get some help. Yeah, we're like, hey, you want to stay a couple days in my place, you know, until everything calms down. Right. No, it's just like he can handle it. He's a billionaire. It's fine. This is how everyone is, I guess. I I don't know. It's wild. Who are his friends? Are they also billionaires or millionaires? Because because Lil Rel is the owner of the house they have two parties at. Because they there's two scenes where the piano gets played. So so he's got to be rich. Yeah, he's got every and everyone has these amazing pools. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everyone has to be wealthy. I'm assuming. Yeah. I will say that this movie is like movies. Where would you say this movie takes place? Do you guys know? Was it apparent to me? It it takes place somewhere in L.A. Okay, Mark, what's your guess? You have no idea, right? Pacific Northwest. Nope. This takes place in New Orleans. Oh, really? (laughs) This was shot on location in Louisiana, in New Orleans. Yeah, you would not know that by this movie. Um, There. At one of the parties, there is a woman who's singing some like Creole music, or it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But I would never have guessed. I, yeah, I thought like, oh, they're in L.A. Yeah, everyone's that, rich. This movie makes New Orleans look like shit. Like, there's nothing like a, a, such an appealing and such a cinematic like city. Yeah, yeah. this movie just makes it look like shit. Yeah, I'm assuming <laughs> there may have been things that we didn't know during his bike rides that would have given it away. Maybe like this a this rundown warehouse, bombed out, burned out warehouse. Where that yeah. bridge he goes under. Yeah, the tunnel. The tunnel thing. Yeah, that's such a colorful city. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this movie's just, super gray. This movie like, is gray as fuck. So drab. Yeah, you just go to these drab settings. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> All there's right. only like I'm trying. To, there's only like three or four settings in this movie right you have the uh melinda and vic's house mm-hmm. the snail in- enclosure uh the gorge yeah and like two another other house houses, two other people's right? houses and then the, the bar the piano bar oh okay the yeah the bar okay so uh, eh, a decent amount of settings but not many yeah they they really didn't take full advantage of the new orleans location that's not sure. yeah i i had no clue yeah you guys want to get into the plot sure thing dan what do you got for us uh, I would like everyone who's listening to this within the sound of my voice, please go check out Top 10 with Tia. Go to geekvibesnation.com. Just search Top 10 with Tia. She's a good friend of the podcast. Uh, our friend Tia and Brittany run down top 10 lists. So if that's your thing, like I said, go check out geekvibesnation.com. Go follow uh, Tia TC underscore Stark on Twitter. She's awesome. Go check her out. Give her a follow. Okay, great. And we're going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some messages from Friends of the Podcast, and we'll be back in a second. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. 
Don't forget to check out OchoDuroPowerHour.com where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot for Deep Water. We open on Ben Affleck riding his bike all around the city. And as we mentioned, this is New Orleans, but you would be able to tell. Comes home to his wife, Ana de Armas, sitting on the front porch waiting for him then gives him a cold response to his return and then goes into the house. Vic, played by Affleck and Melinda de Armas, are getting themselves ready as the babysitter comes over. They're going to a party and their daughter Trixie unrelentingly plays Old MacDonald on the Alexa. Annoying the shit out of Melinda, whose seemingly only good quality is looking like Anna de Armas. When Trixie 100% has a favorite parent, which is Vic. Which I don't blame her, though, because Melinda does not seem like a very good mom. <laughs> no, but, it, like, they kind of go back and forth with that a little bit. It, it's more so she's not a nice mom. But there's at least one or two scenes where they're kind of playing together and they have a nice little conversation. So, I again, is she just bipolar? The, the mom, is Anna de Armas bipolar? Right. Or, yeah, I, I don't, they don't, we can't pinpoint exactly what yeah. their relationship is. Yeah, it's uh, like when he... After he kills Tony, he goes home and they're like playing and they're having a good time. Right. When they've been nothing but cold to each other the entire movie before that. And maybe like one or one or two other scenes. But like it's kind of like it's making the assumption. It's making the statement mostly of this movie that Melinda is not a good parent, nor does she try to be. Right. She's very self-involved. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like this movie didn't really want us to hate her 100 percent. Oh, but really made us try. <laughs> really pushed the boundary of us hating her. Um, but kind of taking it back to a little bit. Melinda asks Vic his opinion on what dress to wear tonight. And he helps her get ready by putting her shoes on for her. They go to a fancy rich person party and talk to the other parents about public schools versus private schools for a six-year-old. Then Melinda sees her friend Joel come through the door. Winds is up this, attached. Is this the point where you were... Looking up guillotines on the internet while watching swimming. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I saw the uh, the antebellum era house, and I'm just like, man, these people should probably die a slow death. But then Melinda sees her friend Joel come through the door and winds up attaching herself to him and takes him into the yard where there is a band playing. Vic wanders around the house and catches Melinda kissing Joel out on the back patio. And they continue carrying on, dancing out by the pool, as their friend Mary mentions how close Melinda and Joel seem to be getting. Mary says that all the friends are talking about Melinda and her relationship with Joel and, and tells Vic that they just don't want him looking like a fool. Joel says that they have an open relationship and he's not concerned. And their friend Grant then comes over to tell Vic and Melinda that uh, to tell Vic that Melinda is drunk and now standing on his grand piano. So they all go over and Melinda's on the piano, then hops down and plays a song that I don't know, but as part of it is in Italian. 
That scene kind of annoyed me because a friend comes over, tells Vic that Melinda's on the, the piano, kind of making a fool of herself. So Vic goes in, and she gets right off the piano without anyone's assistance. Like, no one's telling <laughs> her, hey, Melinda, get off. Or, you know, Vic doesn't kind of give her, come on, you know, you're drunk. She just, yeah, she gets off, plays a song everybody knows, apparently. Yeah. Have, no, everyone's singing along to it. I'm like, is that, and that made me feel kind of uncultured. Like, should I know this song? Like maybe Mark or Ant will know the song. But... Nope. Okay, good. Yeah. I that happens a couple times because then the pianist plays a song and everyone flips the fuck out over it. <laughs> he does flip the fuck out, like dancing like, like a bunch of white people. <laughs> it's like it's like they put on Sweet Caroline or something. Right. <laughs> it was like, oh shit, oh not that. Like everyone loved it. Mm, okay, maybe I just don't know Fucking piano. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so I'm glad I'm not the only one. Right. Maybe maybe it's a song in in like New Orleans music culture, oh, you know. But okay. So yeah, now that we know it's in New Orleans, maybe that makes a little more sense. Yeah. So after Melinda's performance, Jill comes over to Vic to just thank him for letting him bang his wife. It was real bro shit. And uh, Vic then asks Jill if he knows a guy by the name of Martin McRae. Jill says that, yeah, he's the guy that went missing and Jill says that he killed Martin because he was seeing a lot of Melinda. So Joel feels threatened, so he goes to leave. Melinda tries to get him to stay, but he leaves anyway. Then a little bit later, Vic and Melinda leave the party, and a drunk Melinda questions Vic about what he said to Joel that made him leave. Vic says that he didn't say anything to him, but she doesn't believe him. And then at home, Vic pays the babysitter as Melinda undresses and goes to make coffee. And Vic sends her upstairs, and she gets annoyed by the puritanical nature of American life. Me too, Anna. She just lets you walk around naked all the time. (laughs) After the babysitter leaves... (laughs) Vic helps Melinda undress and then tries to make a move on her, but she tells him to close the door on his way out of her bedroom. So then he goes to play with snails in the backyard, which is not a euphemism. Next morning, Melinda nurses a hangover and Vic takes Trixie to school. I can't believe they named their kid Trixie. That's a Vic... good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Vic, tell... Vic telling Joel that he killed Martin is now the talk of the town. He laughs it off, telling another parent that he was just joking. Vic then goes to have lunch with his friends, who then tell him that Melinda is fucked up for how she flaunts her relationships with the other men in front of him and his circle of friends. Then word gets back to Melinda about what Vic said to Joel, so she arranges a dinner with Joel at the house so Vic can apologize. Joel comes over, and Vic continues to act like a weirdo, but then tell, lets Joel in and fixes him a drink, and to- tells Joel he's making him lobster bisque. But Joel tells him that he's allergic to shellfish which would be an interesting thing, way to kill somebody in an erotic thriller. Hopefully it comes and plays a part in this movie. So we cut, oh, pro- spoiler alert, it does not. <laughs> does not. So Spoilers. M- meaning that scene is pointless. Yep. So we cut to the actual dinner, and the backup dinner for Joel is a grilled cheese sandwich, which I found hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and... And Ben Affleck gets like super angry that Anna de Armas has a bite and says it's great. Yeah. Why well, is that, he angry I, about that? You may have missed because she, she says she doesn't like lobster bisque. Yeah. That so, was what he got mad at. Yeah. Oh. Mo- okay. Melinda emasculates Vic by choosing to eat Joel's grilled cheese instead oh. of the lobster bisque. I, I, I think you mean remasculates Ant. Remasculates. <laughs> <laughs> and they get into a snippy fight over. Melinda's drinking and her unrefined palate. Then Vic excuses himself and Melinda sends Trixie to bed and tells her that Vic is going to read her some bedtime stories. So Vic reads to Trixie, who is precocious enough to point out how her mother acts in public is different how she acts in private. 
And then Vic goes back downstairs to find a drunken Melinda dancing with Joel. Vic tries to busy himself by doing the dishes, but Melinda tells him not to not to, and instead tells him to go serve Joel another drink. And then she just bounces. She just leaves for this scene. So Vic and Joel have a conversation. Joel expects to get an apology from Vic about how he said that he killed Martin. But Vic says that he can't apologize because he did, in fact, kill Martin. He beat him to death with a hammer. And he tells Joel his Uber is here and it's time for him to go. And that is the last we'll see of Joel. I gotta say, parts of this movie when... um Vic, uh, you know, Ben Affleck as Vic is like being this sort of menacing thing. I actually really liked like when he just goes, your Uber's here. Yeah. I think he's good at the parts. The, yeah. the problem is that the, the movie doesn't capitalize on it. No. Like, cause Joel doesn't ever wind up dead somewhere. Right. Yeah. That would be good. That would be a good ending to that. Like again, where it comes back in the end that she finds out that he killed Joel too. But I don't know. I don't know what this the movie's point is, but it wasn't that. No. And again, I think that's what would have led to a good mystery. You know, he is very intimidating, but he's not the killer, or is he the killer? It's a good it, it, who done it. Yep, we know who done it the whole time. Yeah, and that's the biggest, well, one of the biggest flaws of this movie. And the one time we don't know who done it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who killed Martin McRae. No, they arrested somebody. They arrested right. somebody. Right. Yeah. It, it again makes it pointless. Why even bother telling us that he killed this guy? Just, yeah. I guess to set up, oh, maybe he did or, you know. Yeah. It, we never even meet Martin McRae. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we so just weird. know that they were friends with Anna de Armas. Mm-hmm. Why? Friends in capital letters. <laughs> yeah. Wink, wink, friends. So there's another party where Vic is introduced to Don and his wife, Kelly. Don is a writer who has completely outkicked his coverage. Oh, yeah. big time. <laughs> big time. He Don is like 65, 70 years old. And and the wife is probably like, what, 35, 40? Yeah. Oh, she she looks way better than he does. Yeah. And that would have been an interest. So that's another thing where that could have been an interesting like B storyline. We're now like now Vic is now like, oh, well, this isn't. Another woman that is attractive and I would totally want to fuck her. Maybe we'll this maybe this open relationship thing isn't so bad. Right. Nope. Nope. Uh, Don is a writer who is completely discovered. And we learn that Vic has so much time on his hands because he sold the government a computer chip that they use in drone warfare. He's rich and retired. Don is sort of uh, disgusted by the fact and also mentions that he heard that Vic killed Martin McRae. Everyone just laughs it off as a joke. Yeah, I think it was at the daughter's school. The one guy goes, I can't remember who's the first person to tell me it. I've heard it from so many people. Uh, was it a guy or was it the, the woman? The girl. The girl, yeah. The, the yeah. other. Rachel Blanchard. Yeah. Who I confused for Kelly in a party later on and was uh, and was confused when I found out she was Don's wife. Sure. Yeah, they both look a little similar. It's just when they flash by real fast at the pool yeah, party. Like, sure. A little bit later at the party, Melinda is off playing with Trixie and Vic asks Don wife's Kelly to dance, which is apparently out of character for him. And he actually looks happy, which you think would be an ongoing plot point and you'd be mistaken. <laughs> so on the car ride home, Melinda mentions that he looked happy dancing with Kelly and questions whether or not he found Kelly attractive. So then Melinda unbuckles her seatbelt and gives him roadhead. And where's Trixie in this scene? <laughs> <laughs> She's with the babysitter, right? No, she was at that party. Oh, she was at the party. That's right. Well, I don't think that would stop Anna de Armas, though. Probably not. But I that should stop. It should stop Vic. Vic's a good father. Right. I, I, I cackled so hard 
when she goes, she unbuckles her seat and goes to, you know, do the deed. The look on Ben Affleck's face, <laughs> I don't, it, it, it looked like this, this mixture of just, I'm the man, and I can't believe this is happening at the same time. Like, <laughs> it looked like he was basically having a ton of weight lifted off of his chest, knowing that his wife was about to give him roadhead. I, just, I don't know what it was. The look on his face just made me cackle. I, like, I let out, like, a screech laugh. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh so much, but it, it just it was very funny to me. And then he asks, uh, then she asks him if he thinks Kelly is a better fuck than her. And like an idiot, he doesn't quite answer her. So he bites, bites him in the dick twice and then stops and pouts. And then they go home and fuck, though. You can't. This woman is insane. <laughs> you can't. You, you can't figure out where, whether, where she's coming from, really. Yeah. She does mention that, though. She's like, oh, if you were married to anyone else, you would have killed yourself. Because I guess of how boring they would be. Right. But sometimes boring's okay. <laughs> yeah, if he didn't know what kind of crazy she was, then, you know, he wouldn't miss it. Right. Yeah. I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of a backstory between them. Yeah. Why is she crazy? It's just, it's like, this scene in particular, it's like, because she is uninterested in him after he doesn't answer that question, right? She says, mm -hmm. don't touch me. Right. And there's not, the relationship dynamic isn't that like oh yeah now i'm mad and then we're gonna have like rough angry sex right mm -hmm. this because she always she says that he's not the aggressive type he's very passive so it's weird that these two scenes this is like what gets them going she bites him in the dick <laughs> yeah. and then they go home and fuck i don't i don't get it i don't understand why she liked him in the first place right she's if he's always been that way Mm -hmm. She's always been that way. They wouldn't connect. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's because of the money. I was going to say, did he accidentally spill his bank account in front of her? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was next to the, the Magnum condom. Man, that's a. Oh, look at all them zeros. <laughs> yeah, My he, Magnum dong. <laughs> yeah. he, what he did was he noticed that she was behind him at the ATM and left the, you know, how much was left he left the receipt on on the uh the atm itself knowing she would look and like oh excuse me sir then, to have then, as he, then as he turned around he made sure to move the magnum condom out of his wallet exactly his card back. It, it dropped out that's what happened yeah yeah i i don't get it there's no reason for them to be together other than the money i guess and that's yeah. why i thought she wanted to divorce him. like she was trying to get him to divorce her so right. that she could just take yeah. half of his money and the kid yeah they they definitely on the list of things they needed to do, this is probably middle tier, but they definitely needed to explain their relationship better in I terms agree. of the beginning. Definitely. Like they, they just have one joke about when they went to dinner for the first time and she, cause she has the appetite of a 12 year old or something. Yeah. She yeah. had mac and cheese. She had mac and cheese. That's like the closest, you know, we get to yeah. anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know why there was a second date. Yeah. Like, I don't know why there was a second date. Cause she's yeah. Anna de Armas. That's true. <laughs> he order all the mac and cheese in the world, baby. Yeah. Did he find her hot and then go, oh, that's a cute quirk. I could, you know, that make me remember her sort Listen, of thing. Man. I don't know. Listen, they don't explain yeah. any of it. Love makes you do crazy things. All right. I don't know who said that. But... And then lust makes you do even crazier things. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, uh, I, I don't think I would, I don't think I'd be able to handle that. I couldn't handle that. <laughs> right? It's like, 
Well, first of all, if my if my wife were like openly cheating on in just and not even caring that I saw, I I I would be heartbroken, right? I feel like all of us would be. Yeah. Yeah, he just takes it. He takes it like a, you know, he takes it like a bitch. An open relationship is not is not on my goals in life. Yeah, it, it may, that's a young man's thing, I think. Like yeah. When when you don't have a care in the world, like, yeah, you go do whatever you want. I'm going to do the same. But when you're when you're married and you have a kid, like it's kind of it's time to put that to bed. Mm. Yeah. So Smash cut the Trixie at a soccer game, and Melinda complaining that Trixie's team is playing a team full of twelve year olds. Then Vic gets a call from the bank telling him that there isn't enough money in Melinda's account to cover a check for $3,000 that she wrote to someone for quote-unquote piano lessons. Later, Vic starts calling around to bars trying to figure out which ones have live music, specifically piano music. Sure enough, he finds one and goes to pay the bar a visit. While he's there, he sees the kid playing piano, wearing a shirt that he got from Dan Flashes. Yeah. And then Melinda shows up and sits close to the piano, and she and the piano player, Charlie, make flirty eyes at each other. Vic goes home and sees a news report about the cops finding Martin McRae's body and that he was shot several times. And a drunken Melinda comes home, sketchy on the details overnight. I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I think Melinda has a bit of a drinking problem. Yes. <laughs> And Vic tells her that they found Martin McRae, and Melinda gets upset and walks off. Later, Vic and Trixie go to pick up a puppy from the animal shelter, and on the way home, he sees Charlie walking down the street carrying a vase full of flowers, when at dinner, the very same vase is on the dinner table, which Vic then throws out. Question for you guys. What's up? When they, when uh, when Ben Affleck and the daughter go to adopt the dog, did you think the worst was going to happen to the dog? You know, it really never crossed my mind. No. The dog plays no part in this movie. He does, does not. He witnesses a murder, but that's about it. <laughs> he does. Yeah, the, the only part he leads in it is that he reveals to Ben Affleck that the body is coming back up. Yeah. Right, yeah, because the daughter's with the dog at the, uh, at the lake yeah. or the, the river. Yeah. So, yeah. That dog must have gotten tossed around that car during that drive. Oh, yeah, right? When he's, when he's with Tony, he just comes to this big, like, he's going, like, 50, 60 miles an hour, full stop. So what we're saying is that dog's a snitch. <laughs> no, the because do- then they, afterwards the dog's in uh, in Vic's arms on the ride home. Yeah, but he's yeah. trying to share the kid where the body is. Oh, maybe. It's true. Maybe. I didn't think of that. Vic and his buddy Grant go back to the bar for some drinks while Charlie plays the piano. And Grant says they caught the guy that killed Martin McRae. So that's the end of that thread. After Charlie finishes playing... Vic tells him good job and then tells Grant that Charlie is giving Melinda piano lessons and that that just hangs around in the air awkwardly. Why would you like, why would you tell your buddy at this point? Like everybody knows every guy that Melinda comes in contact with. She's fucking like, just kind of keep that to yourself. You know, you don't yeah. need to tell. Well, I guess it's the opposite thought process is that since everybody knows you might as well point out to the friends who the new guy is. I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, Devil's advocate. Uh, Vic goes to play with his snails again and imagines Melinda giving Charlie a hand job in the car. A lot of hand job yeah. moments in this movie. Lots of hand jobs. I think this movie's trying to bring back hand jobs. <laughs> it's not going to work. Stop trying to bring it back. <laughs> it's real boring stuff. Do you realize what like we're in the age of now? The hand jobs are the th- a thing of the past. Yeah, it's old school. <laughs> right. I yeah. I, I know those things need to go the way of the dodo. They need to be forgotten. <laughs> The last resort. I can't. I guess there's some people out there who still enjoy them. Yeah, that's, 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 our, that's our kids of band camp. 
(laughs) Over the pants stuff, right? That's like your first, (laughs) oh my God, this is my awakening. Uh, But yeah, now it's just like, if I could do it, I don't, I don't do it. I don't need, I don't need help. I know what I like. Exactly. (laughs) The next day, Vic just sits around all day waiting for Melinda, who didn't come home the night before, and she stumbles and seemingly still drunk from the night before. Vic confronts her about staying out all night and writing a check to Charlie. They continue arguing, Melinda telling him that she didn't want a family and basically trying to make him jealous about her relationships, trying to get over the fucker right on the stairs. And then they and then she walks up the stairs saying that if he if he married anybody else, that he'd be bored enough to kill himself. So they go to another party and everyone's having a great time playing party games in the backyard. And Charlie shows up, invited by Melinda. And a little bit later, Melinda makes Charlie play the piano for everyone, and everyone dances around like a bunch of white people. Except Vic, who just stands there. Until Melinda comes over and backs into him, rubbing his dick as they watch Charlie play the piano. Melinda formally introduces Charlie and Vic, and then later Vic goes looking for Melinda in the house, and he sees Melinda and Charlie come out of the same bathroom, dressed for the pool. So everyone is in the pool as Vic sits on the edge, just staring daggers at everyone as Melinda and Charlie just carry on like they're that he isn't even there. It starts to pour, and everyone runs in except for Vic and Charlie. The party is now in the kitchen, dancing to music, drinking and making cookies. Vic comes in and gets dressed and burns his hand on the cookie sheet. Okay. Can I ask you a question as someone that is probably more uh, closer to been in situations that Vic's friend was in in this? Um, Was he trying to say that he couldn't feel it raining because he was high or that he was imagining that it was raining because it was high and then but it was really raining? I feel like I thought the latter. Okay. He thought he couldn't tell. Yeah. That he, that he thought he was imagining being that it was just the way he delivered the line. I'm like, like, is he like coming to the realization that it's raining or is it, did he think he's holding his hands out, right? He's holding his hands out. Like, is it raining? He, he's not sure if he feels it. Okay. Yeah. And what are you insinuating about me? (laughs) (laughs) You have more experience in the rain. In the in rain. rain in right. Pool. In what pools. are you thinking? Right, because you have a hot tub, <laughs> yeah. right, Ant? So I do have a hot tub, so that's what yeah. it means. There yeah. you go. So it's hard yeah, to I mean. I... And it looked like the pool was heated, so. I don't know what else you could be talking about, Ant. <laughs> it starts to pour and everyone runs. Uh, the rest of the party's on. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Melinda goes outside looking for Charlie and comes in screaming. And Char- uh, Charlie is face down in the pool. You guys spring into action to pull him out. And Vic jumps in and pushes Charlie up as the guys try to pull him up. But they drop Charlie on his head and back into the pool. And again, and successfully get him out. That served no purpose. Yeah. It, it leads to my favorite line of the movie. It, it, yeah. That, um, what was it? A little the, later when the, uh, the, the one guy, the guy we see for like one scene, maybe two, um, that's among their friends. And he goes, they go, well, we dropped him on his head. And he goes, well, that didn't contribute to the death. And then the one of the guys goes, but it certainly didn't help. <laughs> yeah, why would you have that in the movie, right? If you're not going to hint that, yeah, that that's what killed him, not the drowning. Yeah, yeah. so that you can blame it on Don. That's what yep. I'm saying, right? So now he, you give him plausible, uh, a plausible excuse here, like, no, I, I didn't kill him. He bashed his head. We pulled him out, hit his head on the side of the pool. Cookies were plenty of an alibi. I guess they, right, the writers thought, no, we don't need to explain this any further. Everyone will know. He touched the cookies. Right. Yeah. Or to burn his his fingerprints off. Right. Yeah, I, oh, Louise. It's such a. That would have been even more interesting than what they did. 
<laughs> I, I don't know he if burnt the fingers on purpose so they couldn't fingerprint them. I don't know. If, like, you have to dip it in acid or something like that, right? Isn't that what? The... I'm just saying, like that, that that explanation would have been more of a more interesting than what actually happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. That would be hilarious if that's the way you can commit a crime. Like, yeah, just burn your fingertips beforehand. Yeah, and then they will be unable to find your uh, your fingerprints. Yeah, Vic climbs out and attempts CPR, but it's no use. Cops come and ask a few questions. Who saw him last? Were you drinking? Etc. And then Melinda, in front of the cops, tells everyone that Vic killed Charlie. Melinda becomes hysterical, and the cop takes Melinda in the uh, in the other room to ask her questions. After a while, the cops bring Vic in to ask him a few more questions privately. If Melinda and Charlie were having sex, and why doesn't he ask these sorts of questions of his wife? Which is a very good question, and he's got a terrible answer for it. It's like uh, I don't feel like I should have have that kind of control over what she does or something like that he doesn't Uh, presume to uh like basically tell her what jill or not do yeah so they go home and vic asks if melinda wants a divorce and she doesn't exactly answer the question but she says she's not afraid of him because she's the thing he killed for and again if like this was turning her on that would be that would be something but it doesn't seem to be so Vic goes on a bike ride and has visions of memories or memories of himself drowning Charlie in the pool, intercut with her fucking Charlie in the car. As he rides, he notices a car following him. Vic goes to drop Trixie off at school and he runs into Kelly, Don's wife. She tells Vic that Don has been talking to Melinda and sharing his theories on how Vic killed Charlie. Vic invites Kelly and Don over for dinner and Vic brings Don over to his shed to show off his snail collection. Don immediately asks if he could smoke in the snail enclosure, which I just think is hilarious. Because why would you think that that would be a good place to smoke a cigarette? (laughs) Everyone just has their way with this guy, regardless. Everyone's just trying to steal on him. Yeah. He's he's very defensive about his snails, though. Yeah. Uh, Vic then tells Don he needs to stop telling people he killed Charlie and makes vague threats to Don. Later, Vic sees the same car that was following him parked outside a restaurant, and he looks in the car and sees a large camera on the front seat. So he goes inside and finds Melinda having lunch with someone she says is a psychotherapist. So Vic says if this quote-unquote psychotherapist thinks Melinda is a schizophrenic, and Melinda asks him if he thinks Vic is a psychopath. Vic goes to leave and asks the guy for his card, which he can't produce, so he goes without it. Later in the week... Vic heads to Don's house and interrupts their dinner in order to accuse Don of hiring a private investigator to follow him. And he produces a bank statement from Melinda to Don to pay for it. This is all a surprise to Don's wife, Kelly, and their daughter, Goldie, who just won't go inside no matter how many times her parents ask her to. Again, I, I mean, would you? Yeah. I don't think you need to have the daughter in this movie. <laughs> it makes it hilarious. It, it, it makes it, yeah, a very funny scene, but... But it really doesn't add anything of importance. In in this movie, yes, you need the daughter there. In a better movie, no, you don't need the daughter there. Sure. Vic then starts following Melinda, who is now running off to meet with another guy. And Trixie is starting to get wise about Vic drowning Charlie and starts asking him very pointed questions about the event, but he denies it. Puts Trixie to bed and then he overhears Melinda talking to someone about moving to Brazil and ends the call with, I love you. As Melinda takes a bath, Vic tries to ask her about her day, but she doesn't say anything. Some days later, the guy Vic saw Melinda with comes into Vic's snail enclosure and introduces himself as Tony, an old friend of Melinda's. And he's immediately freaked out because Vic is a weird dude that has an obsession with snails. But they go inside and Tony talks about his business, which is creating sustainable housing in lower income countries, specifically in Brazil. 
and Melinda comes in and she acts flirty around Tony and then just offers the fact that Tony was the first American that she ever fucked. So I'm not sure it's a big deal other than that. Probably the first circumcised guy that she's ever had sex with. <laughs> and that Tony broke her heart by breaking up with her. So as Melinda cooks, Tony just randomly offers that they should take some of Vic's snails and cook them up. Vic has to tell both Tony and Melinda multiple times that the snails are not for eating. And then you have to starve snails to clear out their intestines before you eat them, or else you'll poison yourself and die. Sounds like that could be an interesting way to kill someone if you were in some sort of erotic thriller, but um, <laughs> it does not come into play anywhere in this movie. But it's unfortunate that the one guy he could have done it to had a shellfish, which yep. I don't know if snails count for, but I bet the writer of this movie does. So. We're also <laughs> not in an erotic thriller, so <laughs> there, there goes that idea. Like, he could have just made the grilled cheese and, like, with, like, some just lobster in there somewhere you know just tested him yeah <laughs> like why like he literally like we watch he drowns somebody by putting his head underwater and just throws a rocket at other guys so not interesting ways to kill somebody and he and again with the lobster bisque he like really drives home like oh you're wait really like, yeah i can't eat it really so not only do they not only do they bring it up but they enforce it in that scene yeah it could have just been like a just drop it like oh I made lobster bisque oh I can't eat it oh okay and then that's it I'm like oh right whatever yep. no need to bring attention to it yeah and it's like it's like Vic has never heard of a shellfish before <laughs> yeah right you but why don't you you know how to eat right so just <laughs> eat the shellfish it's the same concept right I, yeah. is it because he's too normal quote unquote like, oh he's such a normal guy he doesn't drink he doesn't show emotion do you think he's neurodivergent. Vic? I don't know. I don't know. Right? What he's he like is. a genius. He's like a computer genius. Mm-hmm. He's got this weird obsession with snails. He's like hyper fixated on snails. But he, he's too he's too smooth for it. Right? Like anywhere he goes, he can have normal conversations with other people. And he has... But does he though? Is I, he like, having normal conversations with people? But at least with the one friend's wife. I guess that's true. Right? I mean, he yeah, he doesn't really hold very many conversations outside of his wife and Don. Yeah. I think they were trying to go for something like that and missed it because I would believe that. I thought they were just trying yeah. to go for he's like, he's a genius and he, he's almost like a, a, um, a savant in a way. That's what I thought. They I, don't were think that, I don't think that's far off from like neurodivergent, right? Uh, maybe not. Some sort of, yeah, maybe it's, uh, some sort of autism. Yeah. On the spectrum, I guess. Yeah. So this is a, like a sequel to The Accountant, right? Wasn't that the <laughs> plot of the movie? I, I had written down that he's continuing his path of being the Batman and just murdering <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Uh, they have dinner and Melinda and Tony carry on a bit and then they sneak upstairs into a bedroom. And Vic catches Melinda unchanging in front of Tony. The or so goes by and Vic follows Tony and drives up to drives up to him on the street telling tony that melinda was trying to get a hold of him she wants to show him a building property for some sort of investment opportunity tony hops in the car and they're off Vic starts driving faster and faster asking tony questions about his old relationship with melinda and for some reason dog is in the car but then he starts driving more erratically and into the woods tony gets more and more nervous he tries to call melinda but has no service eventually get vic gets to a spot and slams on the brakes that poor dog must be flying all over the car at that moment and then Tony and Vic get out, and Tony starts looking around the spot, and then Vic just hauls off and throws a rock and hits him in the right in the head, then throws another rock that hits him in the chest, causing Tony to stumble and fall down an embankment, hitting the back of his head against a rock, killing him. Now, then tie some rocks. Real quick, there's, there's a, a, a specific shot 
where to- when he gets hit in when Tony gets hit in the chest with the rock that sends him flying back, he grabs onto a branch. And to me, I thought that would signify, oh, he's going to leave blood on this branch, which would then lead someone to find his body. Mm-hmm. But again, that would be something good for, a, you know, a thriller or a mystery. But no, he just, you know, that's never brought up. He smacks his head on the bottom and then that's the end. That's it. Yep. <laughs> so uh, Vic then ties some rocks to Tony's body and dumps him in a river. Honestly, kind of a shallow river given the title of this movie. That's a good point. Vic heads, <laughs> Vic heads back home, finds Melinda playing with Trixie. Then he tells Melinda that he actually likes Tony. Which, you know, kind of keep Tony's name out of your mouth at this point, really. Why keep, why drawing attention to it? Keep Tony's name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's just like begging to be caught. Oh, yeah. Have you heard from Tony? Have you, yeah, was that Tony on the phone? <laughs> it's like you're really obsessed with him. Right, that's, that's a real easy way to get caught. Yeah. Then at dinner, Vic gives Trixie, a six-year-old, some wine, and he says they're celebrating. Again, not being subtle at all anymore. (laughs) Not being a normal person. Melinda asks if he's seen Tony because she can't get a hold of him, but Vic says he has not seen him. After putting together a photo project at his office that Vic has gone gone to once before in the movie, he goes home to find Melinda and Trixie getting ready to go on a picnic. The gorge, the very gorge he just killed Tony at. So they go, and as Trixie goes off the dog, Melinda asks Vic why he's the only man that stays with her. Then she starts giving him a hand job again. So he shows the project he made for her, a photo book, which apparently Vic is an amateur photographer, which is not something that ever mentioned throughout the entire movie, except for that one time. We've never seen him with a camera, though. Vic then realizes that Trixie is somehow somewhere near the river, so he goes to bring her back up and notices Tony's body has surfaced. So he gets a little panicky and starts ushering Trixie back up the embankment. On the drive home, Melinda mentions she left her scarf back at the gorge. Vic says he'll go back and get it the next day. At night, Melinda asks Vic to sleep in her room with her tonight. She also mentions she was just on the phone with Don, but doesn't mention what it was concerning. And then they fuck, starting with the hand job again. It always starts with hand first. Just hand jobby. That's just what it he likes. Seems like, yeah, it seems like he's like the director is like there's a there's a process and a step to sex. It's hand job. Handjob, blowjob, missionary, doggy, cowgirl. Yeah. <laughs> Kissing her ass. <laughs> and she screws at one point. Yeah, she, she specifically asks for him to do that. And he's, to kiss her ass, yeah. And yeah. he's all about it. Not like tongue punch my fart box. Just kiss my <laughs> ass. <laughs> so that's the kind of dialogue he wanted out of this. Is that what I'm getting? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, this is supposed to be an erotic thriller. You gotta titillate, man. That's a good point. That, that would have thrilled me. That's very... like, oh, now we're talking. <laughs> Tongue punch my fart box. God damn. Ben and Ben Affleck probably would have been like, okay. <laughs> In the morning, Vic races on his bike to the gorge without Melinda knowing. She goes looking for him, but he's nowhere to be found. So she goes into his snail enclosure and winds up finding Tony's wallet in one of the tanks. Why he has evidence just sitting out like that? Who knows. Vic makes it to where he dumped Tony's body, and he is still floating just below the surface. So he go, goes down and tries to push it down half-heartedly with a stick. As he's doing so, Don comes from out of nowhere at the top of the gorge and calls out to Vic. Vic says uh, he Vic says Melinda forgot her scarf, and it turns out Don has it in his hand. Don comes closer, then sees, her hand, uh, sees the hand float above the water, so then he runs to his car. 
drives like a maniac on the dirt road with Vic trying to keep up with him on his bike. Oh, I love this part. <laughs> Don trying to climb up the embankment. That's the, so great. The whole ending is terrible. It's so comical. Why is it? it why is it played? Why does it feel like it's being played for laughs after this entire movie? I was laughing. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Don Don stumbles to get up the embankment. And Ben Affleck sees that he sees there's the dead body, doesn't immediately react, just kind of like looks at him fleeing, and then he decides to chase after him. And I was thinking, there's no way they're going to have a chase scene with Ben Affleck on a fucking bike while Don is in a car. And sure enough, the chase scene is Don fleeing from Ben Affleck riding a goddamn bicycle. Yep. (laughs) It's the worst chase scene ever. All you have to do is... Don is driving erratically, speeding. He's probably doing like 50, 60. If you do 25, 30 miles an hour, just go at a regular speed. You're going to outrun Ben Affleck on a bicycle. Yep. Because he's not going to be able to pedal faster than your car can go. Yeah. Don is not aware of how cars work and drives like an asshole. Yeah. It's like it's he's driving like Vic is in a car. That's And that would have made more sense if, if Vic has his car then you can drive erratically because yeah. you're you're trying to escape from another car ben affleck's on a bike he's on a bicycle he's not even on a motorbike it's just it's a mountain bike you can use how how fast do you think ben affleck could pedal like conservatively i don't know i don't know how how fast can people bicycle right i mean i'm just on a on a dirt path not even yeah. just a a, a a paved path I can't imagine it's more than 20 miles an hour. The ordinary untrained person can pedal a bike at an average of 10 to 14 miles per hour. So there, if he's doing 25 miles an hour, he's getting away easily. Yeah. With condi- it, a few months of intense conditioning, he could get to within 25 miles per hour or even 30. That's wow. like that's like Lance Armstrong. Okay. So obviously Ben Affleck is not that. Yeah. Let's say you between know, 15 and 20. Okay. So yeah, again, if he's doing 25, 30, he's getting away. No problem. So yeah. why why is he driving like why is he driving like someone's right up his ass? Yeah. Oh god, it was incredibly bad. The entire <laughs> ending was incredibly not thought out. Yeah. Like, oh, Don has to show up for no reason. Yeah, it's super rushed. They just needed a how do we tie this together at the end? Yeah. Meanwhile, Melinda starts packing a suitcase, uh, but Trixie sees it and starts bringing it down the steps. Melinda sees her go out the back, and Trixie tosses it into the pool and says that they're not leaving. So as Don drives, starts trying to text his wife, which he probably should have just called her. Meanwhile, Vic has gone off-road in an attempt to cut off Don. Don starts struggling with his phone as he drives and winds up dropping it on the floor. Vic gets in front of Don via his shortcut, but crashes as he hits the road, falling right in front of Don's car. Don, who had his head down, pick up his phone, looks up just in time to swerve away from Vic, but then winds up driving off a cliff and falls to the water below. You know what would have been cool? They they set this up with Tony because uh, he says he's going to call Melinda, but there's no service. There, it would have been cool if Don gets the text message off, like, "Oh, uh, uh, Vic killed Vic killed everybody," but it doesn't go through because of the there's there's no service, so it just says like unsent. Mm-hmm. And then that that way, it's like, oh, you know, he could have been caught, but it, it would have given us a little bit of suspense. Like, oh, he gets it off, and then they, they show the car crash, and then they, they cut to the phone, unsent, and then there you go. 
So then Vic rides his bike home to find Melinda in the same exact spot as in the opening scene. She mentions that she quote unquote saw Tony and goes back into the house and we see her burning Tony's driver's license. And that is the end of Deep yeah. Water. Yeah. And, and yeah, like I said, if you have that end scene and you just have her, you know, saying that she's going to stop, then it makes sense why she burned it to be like, I want maybe she had a change of heart that she wants this family or whatever. And she's like, okay, stop killing people. I'll stop, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, instead, this kind of implies that we're back at the beginning and nothing mm-hmm. has changed. Yeah, nothing no has one's changed. learned anything. <laughs> yeah, it's literally the scene's almost exactly the same as the beginning. I had to rewind to make sure one of those, yeah. like, fucking memento, you know, style, you saw the end at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, things. Yeah. And it, outside of Ben Affleck taking his pants off on the porch, they were, they're virtually identical. Yeah. That part confused me. I forgot about that. Like, why is he taking his pants off right now? <laughs> they're just getting uh, ready to do it. Yeah, this one sucked. What a terrible yeah. movie. Just, I don't, I don't think it was terrible. That's the, it's not good. It's no. definitely not good. No, but it's, it's terrible. It's comp. It's competently made. Um, <laughs> they're the the two leads are fine. They're good. They they work off of each other. Affleck has some good moments of like being menacing, but they they kind of don't deliver anything. That's really yes. it. It's just like on uh, like broken promises. This movie. Is. Yeah, yeah. They 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 give you so many threads that lead to nowhere. Yeah, like surprising amount of them for like a thriller where. You're creating these threads because they're like more than often. That's the point of a thriller that these threads that they, you're following are going to pay off one way or the other. Whether or not it's like a huge twist at it at the end, or you know, more or less straightforward, they're like you're setting these things in motion so they will pay off. And this this is the exact opposite. We're literally setting up things so they won't pay off. Like, there's no payoff for the snails. There's no payoff for the the shellfish allergy. There's no payoff for Martin McRae. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah, it's it it works if you give us someone else who could have feasibly killed these people. Yeah, because again, we we know exactly who did it. We're in on the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the end of this uh, podcast. I think this is a, this yeah. is a weird one. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, check out next week's episode. We're gonna have another one. Um, <laughs> promise soon, soon, i think we're gonna i think next week I, I have to look at it um we will announce our choices for this month's uh poll because we're gonna be doing we're actually gonna be doing the um the poll a week earlier than we usually do because we have something special lined up for the last week of the of the month so stay tuned for that can i can i just say I am very excited for this month's poll, more so than previous polls, because all three of the movies that we've picked, I'm not going to spoil it, are all fantastic. Yeah. We, whoever wins, we all win. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to wrap us up this week. Be sure to check us out on all the socials and all that kind of good stuff and hit us up wherever you can find us. Uh, the the movie this week was Deep Water and is directed by Adrian Lyne. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Valvecchio telling Adrian Lyne, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TicTampod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie.